How sweet the sound, amazing grace. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to be with each and every one of you. Welcome again to the house of the Lord here at Christ Center Church. A lot is going on, and we need to keep our mind fixed and stayed on Jesus. Amen. Don't let all of what's going on have you consumed and confused and distracted. We ought to keep our minds focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I guess the first thing I will mention to you because it's so important and I don't want to forget about it or I want to make sure you get enough information uh, is that I want to tell you next week starting um, tomorrow, some of first for most of us, I, I guess for me, it's probably will be later on this evening. Uh, we will start a one week fast. This is a, a, a fast for Christ centered church. This is a, a church fast. This is not a fast. If you want, this is, if you are a part of this church, we're calling you to fast this week. We want to fast. Um, again, this is, you know, we have different people in different situations. And so I know that some of you um, have to have food for, for medicine and different things. So understand that. You know, in this day and age, they're teaching people, mainly our young people, to figure things out, be problem solvers, not program them to do what we want them to do. And a lot of us in here, we were raised a certain way that we better live that way. And why we clash sometimes as generations is because one generation is saying, you go this way and you never deviate. That is the right way. And now they're raising our children to say, figure it out. There's probably different ways how to get this thing working the right way. Why am I bringing that to your attention? Because on this fast, you have to figure out how you're going to fast. Now, what I'm telling you, the general consensus of the fast is water only for the entire week. That's what I am going to do. Now, some of you probably cannot do that. But figure out what you can do to say I'm fasting in honor of what my church is doing. Right? So figure out how you can abstain from food in some way, shape, or form for this entire week, just figure out how you will do. I made it easy for myself, Elder Swaggart. Live for God easy, it's gonna be hard. Live for God hard, it'll be easy. So it's easy for me to just say, water only. Now, some of you probably can't do that. I'm just saying, for me, water only, okay? And that's what we will do for the entire week because we need to fast. Man, nobody, nobody don't, don't agree with that. But it's okay. Nobody ever want to fast, I don't think. But, but we need to fast. Not that we want to fast. We need to fast. And so this week, we're going to dedicate ourselves to fasting and prayer and studying the word of God and consecrating ourselves. What does that mean? Part of your fast will be abstain from social media. That's part of the fast. No social media. 
Use electronics for only what's necessary, okay? We have built a lifestyle where uh, uh, electronics play a vital part, but only use electronics out of necessity, not to just hang out and just, you know, not to go to TikTok, not to go play some game, not to, to read your Bible. Use this week for prayer, consecration, and fasting because we need to experience a move of God in our soul. So however you need to fast, you need to get it together and fast. How many days you need to fast, you need to get it together and fast. But if you're a part of this church, we need to be in unity. We need to be in one accord. The Bible talks about being one in the spirit. And if we're all fasting, praying, and consecrating ourselves, we are one in the spirit. God wants to do something in us and through us. But sometimes it takes a little bit more than what we're doing. We don't like to hear that, but they say no pain, no gain. And that's just regular practical example of us just, just trying to accomplish things that no pain, no gain. And so if we're going to go deeper spiritually, then we're going to have to do something different. If you do what you've always done, you will always get what you always got. So we're going to do something different. We're going to fast for seven days. What are we going to experience when we're fasting for these seven days? That's important. What will we experience when we're, and not so much what we're experiencing. Why are we fasting? Let, let's go to why are we fasting? The Bible talks about that in Isaiah chapter 58. And why we're fasting? We're fasting to loose the bands of wickedness. So wherever wickedness is in your life and in this church, we're fasting to loose the bands of wickedness. We're fasting to undo heavy burdens. So whatever you're burdened with, we're fasting that those burdens will be lifted because those burdens are not from the Lord. We're fasting so the oppressed will go free. We're fasting to break every yoke. We're fasting for provision. That's God's provision to us and our provision provision to others. So what God gives to us, we will be able to give to, to others. And so we're fasting for the Lord to give us provision, and in that, we will provide for others as well. Hmm. We're fasting to see people saved, salvation, people repenting of their sins and being baptized in Jesus' name. That's what we're fasting for. I will send you out an email or a text or whatever I need to send out today, later on this evening, to let you know, remind you of the fast and why we're fasting. We need to fast. Some of you might not be able to make it to seven days. Make it to some amount of days. This is the week you do everything you can to fast, to abstain from eating your regular stuff that you normally eat. And I'm telling some of you, some of you normally can go without food, not even thinking about it because your day just go by. Watch this this week. Try doing it this week. Because the way how life work is and the way how it works, this week you're going to want to eat. So all the other weeks where you think you can just drink a cup of coffee and eat a little cake and you're good for the whole day, it won't work this week. 
This week, your body is going to tell you, oh, you need to have a big breakfast. Oh, you need to have a good lunch. Oh, somebody's going to invite you out to a nice dinner, and they're paying for it. Just saying. So whatever you thought before, watch and see this week now that you're fat. The devil is trying to come at you, and he will do whatever he can to interrupt everything that you and me are trying to do for God. I am telling you, the devil is coming hard at you. You don't even understand it. Some of us just exist and be like, okay, I'm going to church. But hear me. I know what I'm saying. The devil is coming after you, and he's not playing any games. If you are associated or affiliated with this church, the devil is coming after you and he's going to try to get you to stop coming and stop being a part. That's what he's doing. If he got to get you disgruntled to make you say, I ain't going. If he got to get you upset with somebody to make you just, just stop growing spirit, whatever he has to do, he's trying it. And how do you know this preacher? Because he tries it with me. I took my kids down to Washington, D.C. a couple days last week to show them some things because they hadn't done anything all summer that's educational. I said, let me do something with them that's educational. I took them down to D.C. a couple days this week, and I had a dream that my son, last born, had received the Holy Ghost at one of the Holy Ghost rallies that we're having. I said, okay. So when I had that dream, I said to my wife, as soon as I got up, I said, we're going to the Holy Ghost rally Saturday at 5 in Newark. Because I knew he was going to receive the Holy Ghost, because that's my dream. And I said, okay. She said, okay. And we go about our business, and, you know, we're, we're you know, around. And I had to, a couple of things to do. I had an appointment. I'm doing things. And I'm trying to do. And all of a sudden, I get stuck and jammed up in my appointment. I said, ah, I should be able to maneuver. I texted the guys that's running the service in Newark. I said, ah, I'm running a little late, but I should be there. Then I realized I'm really jammed up. I said, uh, I said, Nicola? You got to pick up the kids and you got to drive them to Newark. I'm not going. I'm not going to make it. I said, by the time I get there, it's all the call and probably all the call will be over. But you got to get the kids there. And sure enough, she got the kids there. Jordan got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's just how things work. My point is, I am not exempt from the devil trying to stop God's will to be done in my life or in my house. And it's the same for you. Whatever he can do to jam us up, he's going to jam us up. Let's not try to, just don't belittle this thing. The devil is really after your soul. And he's trying to jam you up. So we're fasting and praying this week. We're seeking the Lord. We're consecrating ourselves. Oh, man, you're going to be so refreshed when you don't have all the TikTok going on in your mind, when you don't have all the Instagram going on in your mind, when you don't have all this stuff going. You're just fresh and clean, and the Word of God is so clear in your heart and your mind, and you feel the Holy Ghost just moving in you. You're going to be like, oh, this is different. That's what's going to happen this week. We have one guest with us, Kaysen Johnson. Kaysen, if you can just raise your hand, my friend. God bless you. Kaysen, it's so good to have you in the house of the Lord. And we are thanking God for you being here this morning. We want you to know, Kaysen, if there's anything at all that we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ and your attempt to know him a little bit deeper, we are here for you and we will do whatsoever we want to do. Let's welcome Kaysen one more time and thank God for him. Amen. Let me mess with you all one more time because that's, that's what I do sometimes. 
And I'll tell you this, so for some of you, you know, that don't um, get on social media, we posted yesterday or before yesterday that we have a guest speaker this morning. But if you didn't catch it, I put under it 1030. So I wanted to see who was going to show up at 9 o'clock and who was going to stay over for the guy at 1030. So just saying, you know, back in the day, you know, we overextended ourselves to do extra because we want everything. We was, we, we was just hungry. I don't know. Or inquisitive or stupid. I don't know which one it is, Brother Scarlett. Stupid, inquisitive, crazy, whatever you want to call it. But every opportunity we got to get a little extra, that's what we did, right? And nowadays, we look for every opportunity to cut, to go, you know, what is it? extra stage left. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to try to manipulate or guilt you into anything. My job is to preach the word. I just every once in a while got to tell you how it used to be because we have no clue. Some of us don't have any clue of how it used to be. Let's stand, jump up to your feet. We're going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12. And we're going to read verse 12 through 16, and we're going to get right into what I believe the Lord wants to say to us. And hopefully somebody will be helped here this morning before we are finished and through with this service. First Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12. The scripture says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in the word, in conversation in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exaltation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Jesus, uh, we are so thankful because even when we don't know, you know. Even when we don't understand, you understand. Even when we're ignorant, you're still working on our behalf. Even, Lord God, when we are rebellious and when we, oh God, are disobedient, you're still reaching for us. You're still speaking to us. You're still trying to help us. And oh God, I am thankful this morning that you are reaching one more time, that you're speaking one more time, that you're healing one more time, that you're delivering one more time. I'm grateful this morning, oh God, that you have brought us together one more time. Lord, help us this morning to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us, that truly, Lord God, your will will be done in our heart and in our deed. Lord, I pray the manifestation of the power of God in our life and in the midst of us today in this service. I pray, Lord, that chains will be broken. I pray, Lord, that strongholds will be loose. I pray, Lord, that the captives will be set free. I pray, Lord, that somebody will be saved, baptized with your spirit and moved by your spirit. I pray, Lord, that your will be done in this place today. Let the Holy Ghost take control and let the will of God prevail and not our will. I pray that the power of God will be so gentle to us that you will open up our heart and
and we may hear and receive and respond in obedience to the word of God. Lord, let us not leave this place without a move of your spirit. Oh, we don't want to leave without a move, a supernatural move of the power of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. So let me talk to you this morning on this topic, the secret of success. The secret of success. Interesting. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul here concludes his instructions to Timothy at Ephesus when he says, let no man despise thy youth. Hmm. He said, let no man despise your youth. Mm -hmm. But be an example of the believers. God has called us, church, to be an example no matter what age we are, as long as we know right from wrong. Sometimes we think age, well, you know, you got to be a certain age. No, no. God says, train up a child in the way they shall go, and when they are old, they shall not depart from it. So in all of our ways, as we grow, we're supposed to be examples. Shouldn't be an age thing. It should be a maturity thing in Christ. And we know that some young child can be way more mature in Christ than somebody that's very older. So it's not an age thing. So Paul told Timothy, let nobody despise your youth. What he's saying is, when people try to tell you, I'm not listening to you, boy, you're too young. He says, don't pay that any attention. Don't allow yourself to get all, you know, concerned with people that think that you don't, you know, you're too young. Timothy's task was to correct those who had gone astray to be an example to all the believers of what it means to grow in Christ and to make progress in the right direction. Listen to me. Being a godly example is a requirement for all of us. It doesn't matter what our age may be. It is a requirement to be a godly example if you're a Christian. Paul makes it clear to Timothy how he must be an example. I, I, I want to share this text with you this morning. This is, might be a little different kind of service because I want to get you into practicality in, in how Paul was explaining to Timothy how he must be practical in the things that Paul was instructing him about. So Paul said to him, Timothy... I want you to be a godly example. I want you to help get people going in the right direction. And so here is how you will do it, Timothy. And that's why he said, Timothy, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to be an example and you're going to help correct them in word. That's the first thing he said, in word. What does that mean? It means in his speech. So Timothy was supposed to be an example. He was supposed to correct people by his words that he speaks. 
in the, in the way that he speaks, his manner of conversation. Then he says, you need to be an example. You need to make sure that you are being, uh, uh, you help to correct people in your conversations that you have. It means conduct in a general sense when it says in conversation, in your conduct. Of course, it means in how you speak as well. But when he says in conversation, he's talking about in general conduct. He says, be an example and correct things in charity, meaning in love toward the brethren. So as we're going to be an example, as we're going to be able to correct others in, in doing the things of God, we have to do it in love. Somebody say in love. Then he says that be an example and correct things in the spirit. How, what does it mean when it says in spirit? Because that's a small s. It's not a capital S. So it means in how you govern your passions. When you're being an example, when you're correcting others as a Christian, guess what? You ought to do it in the way you speak. You ought to do it in, 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 in your general conduct. You ought to do it in how you love people, but also in your passions. Your motives must be pure, must be godly, must be Christ-centered, your motive. And also, you must do it in a meek and forgiving way. We must make sure we are meek and forgiven in how we handle each other. Then we must do it in faith, in our knowledge and our confidence in Jesus Christ. We also must do it in purity, meaning in chasteness of life, being free from mixture of pollution of ungodliness. Paul went on to instruct Timothy to give attention to the reading of the scriptures aloud. In other words, recite the scriptures aloud. Become very acquainted with the scriptures. Give attention to exhortation, meaning one who urges everyone in the practicality of the word of God. So Paul laid out this whole thing to Timothy, how he needs to be an example on how he needs to make correction as a young servant of the Most High God. He also told him to give attention to doctrine, meaning give attention to the service rendered to specific teachings. So when we hear teachings, instructions in the word of God, we're supposed to apply those teachings that we hear. And the question today that I have for us is, when we hear the preaching and the teaching, the word of God, do we apply it or we just hear it and it sounds good or we don't think that sounds really too good and we just keep it moving? What do we do when we hear the preaching? What do we do? Back in the day, here I go back in the day. Back in the day, when we heard the word of God, Ethan, we really, really took heed to it and did what we heard. Today, I hear the word of God. I, I look through the scriptures and I read it, and I don't know. I think, I don't know if because, and this is happening in the world. I don't know if it's because we have become so familiar with one another that we're able to understand all of us have flaws and all of us have weaknesses. And I don't know if it's because we have become so accustomed and, and, and just, you know, so used to one another that we're overlooking what God is saying because we're looking at the vessel too much. 
The vessels haven't changed. From the beginning of time, God has always used a human. God has always used a man or a woman to communicate his word to people. And that's the way God chooses to do it. And he ain't changing. And so if we allow ourselves now because we're so familiar with people, because we kind of know people a little bit better because we encounter so many different things, personal things, because people share so much more personal things now, because we are familiar with people in a more personal way, we're thinking, well, I hear him. And now we're taking the word of God as just literature. Literature. There's no fear in the word of God anymore. When, when, when the servant of God speaks, it's like, okay. But I have a strong feeling. I don't know what this is. I have a strong feeling that we're going to have to, the rubber is going to meet the road at some point in time where God is getting ready to show us. If you don't listen to my servant, as my servant speak, uh, you're going to see what situation is going to overtake you. Because you forget this is me. This is not him. It's me that speaks through him. It's me that uses my servant to convey your word. It is so incredible to me that sometimes I'm the vessel as some of you are the vessel and I'm in awe being the vessel. So you're, I don't know if you're not understanding what God is doing because even the vessel become in awe of what God is doing through him or her. So this is not just we come and we hear good literature. This is God's way of communicating to us. This is God's way of speaking in a clear manner and giving instructions to us that we can live the life of success. But as long as we gather together and make the word of God just like any literature that we read or we hear, then we're going to always be stuck on stuck and wonder what's the matter. Listen to me. We don't influence people to change just by what we say. We influence people to change by what we do and what we say. Today, we want to think that because we are great orators and we know how to, 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 to speak better than we've ever had, we feel like we can just say words and people are captivated and people can say, yeah, I like how that sound. That doesn't change anybody. What changes people is when the vessel that is communicating the word of God is living the word that the vessel is speaking. That's what bring about change. Listen to me. No one can lead anyone to where he and she has not been. No one can lead anyone to where he and she has not been. The other day, Brother Turner, our missionary to Israel, came. And, of course, uh, we've been talking about a trip to Israel for the longest. And I said, Brother Turner, I think you'll be a great candidate to, to do a trip for us to come to Israel. And he sent a little bit of itinerary. And, his, and the trip is so amazing. I've never seen anyone that is covering the territories that he covers in his tour. But guess what? The point I'm making here is he has been there already. So when he does a trip, he's going to help us get there because he's already been there. And that's practical in how living is. You can't take anybody to any place where you have not been. 
Peter and John told the lame man at the gate at the temple, such as I have, give I thee. We can only give what we have. If we don't have it, we can't give it. But sometimes we're trying to fake it till we make it by trying to give what we don't have. You only can give what you have, and you only can have through experience. And you can only have experience if you get up and go, not just sit around. I must say, let me pause right here to say this. Ethan, you blessed me uh, yesterday. It's, it's not the big things sometimes. It's the little things. I've been talking about I want to see this area of, the, of, of, of New Jersey, the Northeast area. I want to see us become so uh, cultured when it comes down to the things of God because we're so in this area, so, you know, not just, we just are so far away from the things of God. We, we treat God like it's just a thing we do on certain days. And when we go in certain areas of our country, it is the norm. It is how things are. People understand what the deal is there. And so it just did me so well, Ethan, to know that you weren't a part of the program yesterday. You weren't in the plan, but they called you last minute and you said, okay, I will be there. And then you didn't even know you had to leave the thing and you did it anyhow. That's what culture is. When you start to establish something, that's how it is. We want to see change and we want to see things be better, but we aren't willing to be the change agent. I don't know what I'm going to do this morning. I have learned. I was talking to my goddaughter the other day about this. These smart, intelligent young people love talking to them. But I was telling her, I am convinced the things that we're dealing with in our world, y'all will always, some of y'all always going to get frustrated with me because what y'all want me to say, I won't say. But the things that we're dealing with in this world, more than anything else, it's not racism. It's not injustice. It's a lot of things that we say it is. But you know what I think I've narrowed it down to? Change. Just think of when the first two people came into the world. They came and saw something. And they probably went with the flow for a long time because they came. We don't know how long it was before the devil tempted Eve. The point is, when we come on the scene, what we see, we normally just go with the flow because it's what we see. I came and saw it. So let me just keep on going with it. And it takes someone who come to the knowledge and understanding that all people are the same. And all people should be together because we help to support one another. And when someone come to that point of discovering that we're all the same and we should all be treated alike because we're the same, when someone discovered that, that's when they start to do something about it, when they have the courage to say, I'm going to step in and do something about it. I know I'm right. It might sound strange to some of you. You might not grasp it yet. But I went to the Bible. 
I said Israel was in slavery for over 400 years. They knew that they needed a deliverer. Pharaoh had to know it was wrong to do that to those people. Everything that was going on, they had to know what was going on. And that this is not good. This is not. But, but everybody's like, but this is just the way it's been for a long time. So let's just keep on going. Why would we want to change it? And finally, God brought a man on the scene. And they knew God was going to bring a man on the scene because they tried to stop the man that was going to come. Because usually what the issue is, because I'm comfortable with this trinity and this is what I've always known, I don't want to change. It has nothing to do with what I think about it. It has to do with this is what I know always. I don't want this to change. I want this to always be the way it is, the way I found it. People don't want change. And sometimes they need change, but they just don't like it because it upsets them. Things and it changes the way they got to function. The other day, my wife changed around the bedroom. She do that every so often. And she changed around the bedroom and where my charger and, and, and for my um, watch and my phone was, is now changed. And when she changed, I like the room the way it is better than now, the way it is better than what it was before. I like it. But I told myself, I'm going to get my I'm going to forget my phone one of these days. And so said, so done. Tuesday, last Tuesday, I'm on the train. No phone. I'm going to Philadelphia. I didn't care. I just uh, whatever, because I, did, I knew that I knew it when I was driving. But I smiled because what had happened was change. And because I'm accustomed to something of one way, as soon as it changed, it, it, it caused me, I got to start thinking. And we don't want to think. We just want to just do what we've always done. Change is our enemy more than everything else you think. We went down to the Martin Luther King Monument, and I believe that's his thing. He looked around. Unfortunately, some people have taken his stuff all the way to the left. But all that man was trying to do was looking around saying, why should people be treated any different? God created everybody. Why would you want to be this way and this person get treated another way? No, we all should be together. We all should be as one. That's all the man was really saying. And guess what? He had the courage to say, let me do something about it. His endeavor was to get everybody to become one people and be equal in everything. That's all he was trying to do. Some of us, unfortunately, have taken it to be put, we pitting against each other. Oh, this race is against this. No, no, that's not what the man was trying to do. The man was trying to get us together. Change is what the big thing is. It's not all the other stuff. Don't let the devil get you into a situation. I went to the, the to, I guess I'm off my nose. Now. I went to the African-American um, museum down uh, in D.C. And I'm taking my kids through it so they can see it. And I'm looking at so many things that transpire. And you know the only thing that hit me? Our world could not do without all the contribution of African-Americans. It's so, it's so good. It couldn't do. But our world couldn't do without Caucasian trend contribution. Our world couldn't do without Asian. And I'm looking, this is what I'm saying. We go down the wrong road and not realizing God from the very beginning never gave any one person or any one culture. Well, it wasn't even no culture back then. But any one person, any, uh, he didn't say, you have it all. He said, uh-uh. What I'm doing is I'm giving you some, you some, you some, you some. And all of you will be great at something, but you're going to need others to be even greater. 
That's what God did. And so in order for you to be the best, you need somebody else to come alongside you. You can't be the best on your own. God made it that way. You cannot be the best by yourself. And so God made it that way. And I look and I said, man, our contributions, all of our contributions. I said, this world is so much better because of this race being that they contributed all of this comedy and, and, and music. And I'm just like, wow, this is incredible what we've contributed to the world. But I wasn't stupid enough to just be wrapped up in that because I started looking at what other cultures have contributed to. So I realized we all. God created us to contribute to this world so it can be fantastic and fabulous. We all can do something about it. But we allow the devil to come in or allow people to do what they do and get us all twisted and messed up. But we all contributed. Let me tell you something that here's a revelation. Here's a revelation. Revelation. If I don't say anything else that's profitable to you, let this go in your brain. You might not agree with it now, but if you keep pondering it, you're going to say, you know what? That joker was right. The black race or culture, whichever way you want to call it, the part that we can play in this world is probably one of the most significant part of contribution to this world than all the other race and culture. What do you mean, preacher? As I said, every race and culture contributes something. Okay? But I believe the black race contribution to society is empathy. No race can demonstrate empathy like the black race. And I believe empathy is probably the most powerful thing that this world can ever experience. Money ain't everything. Because people have money and they're just raunchy and mean and ungodly and unrighteous. Don't do anything. All your ingenuity don't mean anything. So we can go across the spectrum and say, this race, their ingenuity is out there, just outstanding. This race, you know, finances, they're good at it. This, And we can go on. The black race, nobody. Nobody, no other race demonstrate more empathy than this race. And this is the race that can bring people together more than any other race because of that. Instead of we look to say we are the we need this. This world need us to help bring it together because everything we can do in this world, we will get there, but we will not get there the way we need to. It's when we begin to express empathy one toward another. When we begin to let people know you matter, that's when we're going to see a giant leap in moving forward because that's about people. Money ain't about people. Creativity ain't about people. Ingenuity ain't about people. But empathy is about us, one another, interacting, providing, making sure someone know they matter. That's significant. But we're so worried about, well, we ain't got, what they say? I ain't got my, um, my cattle and my, what they say? I forgot what they call it. My, 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 my acres, my 40 acres and a mule, and mule, right? 
We worry about material things when God said, that's not your purpose on this earth. Your purpose is empathy. Your purpose is to affect change in a way where people will become just a lot more uh, uh, receptive and a lot more uh, agree agreeable with one another. That's what we can bring to the table that we just don't realize we're bringing to the table because we want to get into all the other stuff. Let it's even the kingdom. Just what God called you to do. Just be the best at that and let the other folks do what they do. We don't have God didn't call us all to do the same things. Let me move on. So Paul told Timothy all these things that he needs to do. When Paul told Timothy to give attention, he is saying, devote yourself to be absorbed in reading the scriptures, in exhortation, practically in uh, practical in instructing people in the scripture. Uh, doctrine, meaning provide service according to the specific teachings of the scripture. Paul is saying, Timothy, when I tell you to give attention to something, I mean devote yourself to it. When I say give your attention to something, Timothy, I mean absorb yourself in doing it. Are we doing that? He went on to say, Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Spiritual impartation of gift and commission ordained by the Lord. That's the gift that Paul was telling Timothy, that neglect not that gift. Huh. And we can talk about it all day. When God calls a believer into, special, into a special place in ministry, he usually imparts spiritual gift for the task. When Timothy was ordained by the elders, he received an enabling gift from God when the elders laid hands on him. But for some reason, Timothy had neglected to cultivate the gift, which was so necessary for spiritual progress in ministry. You all, you all have a gift from God, whether you understand that or you're operating in that or not. But again, this is what I know about God. God has imparted stuff to every one of us so we can do what he wants us to do. But we don't understand this. And this is the stuff that I try to communicate to you so you understand that God has imparted something into you for you to do something in him. But you got to be convinced of that when you hear that. It can't be going in one ear and come out the next. But for some reason, we neglect to understand what God is doing. In fact, Paul had to admonish Timothy in his second letter when he says, stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of the hands of the presbytery. The God who calls us also equips us to do his work. We have nothing in ourselves that enables us to serve God. Our ministry must all come from God. However, we must not be passive. We must cultivate God's gift and develop them in ministry in the local church. So here is the catch. God has imparted Listen, you first have to have the Holy Ghost. So God baptizes us with the Holy Ghost. When we're filled with the Holy Ghost, then we have the potential of God's gifts operating in us, right? And so here we go. God will allow his gift to be in you for you to contribute to the kingdom. 
But the way how you cultivate it is what you do in the local ministry. If you're not doing anything, then you're doing kind of like what Timothy did. You're neglecting the gift that's in you. So if we're not doing anything in church, Jamali, if we're not a part of something that we feel God has brought us to, it means we have a gift of God in us ready to be used that we're neglecting. Secret of success. Are you neglecting the gift that God has given you? The gift that will help you to be the best version of yourself. The gift that will help you to, to, to really be a blessing to the church of the living God. He said, after he said, neglect not the gift, he said, give thyself wholly to them. Everything that Paul had told Timothy to do, all of the examples he needed to be, all of the attention that he needs to pay, pay to all of these things. He said, give thyself wholly to them. Timothy was to devote his life wholeheartedly. That's what that thing means, wholly. Wholeheartedly to the work he was called to do. Whatever God has called you to do, we need to give our heart. We need to give ourselves wholeheartedly, now, not, not half-heartedly, not, not do when we feel, not do when it's convenient. He was to have no other grand aim. This is how you give yourself wholeheartedly. I'm getting ready to be finished so Brother Cannon can come and make you feel good later. When he says give yourself wholeheartedly, he was to have no other grand aim of living. His time, attention, and talents were to be absorbed in the duties of the work he was called to. He was not to make his ministry subordinate and to make and 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 to and to make it um, um, tributary to any other purpose. Nor was he to allow any other thing to interfere with the appropriate duties of his ministry. He was not to live for money. I said live for money. He was not to live for money or fame or pleasure. You can have money, you can have fame, you can have pleasure, but you don't live for it. He was not to devote his time to the pursuit of literature or science for their own sake, not to seek the reputation of an elegant or profound scholar, not to aim to be distinguished merely as an accomplished gentleman or as a skillful farmer, teacher, or author. Whatever he did, he was to do it wholeheartedly consistent with the instructions that Paul gave him for ministry so it can bring glory to God. That's what he meant when he says, give yourself wholly, wholeheartedly. This is the heart of what I want to say to you this morning, that whatever we are doing for God, we have to give ourselves wholeheartedly. We continue to try to live for God, but we don't give ourselves wholeheartedly. And I'm telling you, you might not be frustrated, but I get frustrated when I put time and effort into something and I don't feel like it's yielding the fruit that it was supposed to yield. And so I get frustrated. I don't know about you. I can't continue to give myself to anything that I can't see the fruit it's supposed to produce. I got to figure out how do I get the fruit? How do I make sure the fruit come forth? Because I can't continue to do this. I already know that God is real. That his word is true. I already know that what God says he will do. So I know if the fruit is not coming, it's not because something is wrong with God. It's because something is up with me. 
I go to the Lord and says, what's wrong with me, Lord? Because there ain't nothing wrong with him. Wholeheartedly. Take heed, therefore, unto yourself. A servant of God can be so busy helping others that he neglects himself and his own spiritual walk. That's all of us. The building up of the save and winning the loss are primary purposes for our ministry. It is for the glory of God, but God must work in us before he can effectively work through us. As servants or good servants, we preach the word of God. As godly servants, we practice the word of God. As growing servants, we progress in the word of God. And so here is the finality of the matter. If we're going to have great success, here is the secret to our great success. We must be an example in our conversations, in love, in our passion, how we conduct ourselves, in faith, how much confidence we have of God and the knowledge that we have of God, in purity, not defiling ourselves with unrighteousness and ungodliness. We must give attention to reading the scriptures aloud. Uh, in exaltation, urging the practicality of the scriptures and giving service to specific teachings in the word of God. We must also cultivate and use the gifts that God has imparted to us to do ministry. When we do those things, we will experience great success. When we meditate on those things and give ourselves wholly or wholeheartedly, we profit ourselves and others and God gets the glory. Mm -hmm. Remember, when you give yourselves wholeheartedly, we have no other grand aim of living. Our time, attention, talents are to be absorbed in the duties of the work God called us to. We are not to make ministry subordinate and tributary to any other purpose, nor are we to allow any other thing to interfere with the duties of ministry. We are not to live for money, fame, or pleasure. We are not to devote our time to the pursuit of literature or science for their own sake. We are not to seek a reputation of elegance to say, look at me. We are to give ourselves wholeheartedly to what God has called us to, and we will have great success. The secret to great success is giving yourself wholeheartedly to whatever God has called you to. Listen to me. All of the successful people that we're reading about, they took God's secret of success and they apply it to their life. Now, you want to run down the line? Go ask now these people that we consider successful. Go ask now, how did they become that? Because they gave themselves wholeheartedly to whatever it was that they're doing today. I don't care if it's Elon Musk. I don't care if it's, if it's, if it's Gates or whoever it is. They gave themselves wholeheartedly to whatever it is that they are great at today, whatever they're known for, whether it's a professional athlete, whatever it is, they gave themselves wholeheartedly to it, and that's why they're successful. So the plan is, if we will give ourselves wholeheartedly to what God has called us to, we will have great success. But if we half-heartedly do it, we won't have great success. Let's stand.
I finish and close with this scripture. Titus chapter 2, verse number 13. So look at Titus chapter 2, verse number 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You ready for this? Who gave himself for us. He gave holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. He gave himself wholeheartedly. You think he could be half-heartedly going to the cross? Do you think Jesus could half-heartedly go to the cross? Do you think Jesus could half-heartedly raise the dead? Do you think Jesus could half-heartedly cleanse the leper? He had to give himself wholeheartedly to it for it to happen. If we're going to be successful, if we're going to experience great success, we have to give ourselves wholeheartedly to it. We can't do it half-heartedly. It's got to be wholehearted. And if we will give ourselves wholehearted, we will see the power of God like we've never seen it. We will see the glory of God revealed like we've never seen it. If we will give ourselves wholeheartedly. And remember, wholehearted means you have pure motives. Wholeheartedly means you've got a right spirit, that your passions and the things that you do, they're right. Wholeheartedly means you do things out of love and not out of any other reasons. That's what wholeheartedly means. God gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquities and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. The Lord Jesus gave himself wholeheartedly that our life can be transformed. Remember, I started out by telling you for us to have influence and for us to be able to make a difference in somebody else's life, we have to first give ourselves wholeheartedly to whatever it is that we're telling people about because we can't take anybody any place we haven't been. We can't show anybody anything we have not already known. And so it's not until we give ourselves wholeheartedly it's not until we have already walked the walk before we can tell somebody what they can accomplish, before we can influence anybody. Everything that Jesus has called us to do, guess what? When he walked the earth, he did it. I love that about him. I love it about our God that he didn't tell you and me to do anything that he didn't already go through. He's just. He had to give himself wholeheartedly so he can shed his blood. Can you imagine not giving yourself wholeheartedly, but, but, but your blood is going to be shed? That, that couldn't happen. The cross wouldn't happen if he didn't give himself wholeheartedly. It couldn't happen. You try going to the cross, but eh, you're not sure. You try going to the cross and keep on vacillating about it. You ain't going to no cross. Matter of fact, you're going to get lost and tell them, don't find me, I'm out. I thank God this morning because he gave himself wholeheartedly. And because he gave himself wholeheartedly, we will give ourselves wholeheartedly. 
This week when we go on our fasting and our prayer and our consecration, let's give ourselves wholeheartedly. Listen, I'm not standing up here acting big and bad like I got this seven-day thing under control. I know somebody said to me, seven days, you sure? No food, none? And I'm like, yes. And I said it with confidence because I don't, you know, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. And so I don't have time to worry about how and what. I just know we're going on a seven-day fasting and praying and consecration, and I don't know what's going to happen from day to day. But I plan to give my day every day to God in just saying, God, you need to have the glory and you need to work in my every day. I'm going to take it one day at a time. I don't know how it's going to work. I'm just going to do it one day at a time. Why don't you lift your hands and just worship the Lord as we go. Father, we love you. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the privilege to serve in the kingdom and to do what you want us to do. Jesus, there is none like you. And as we go from this place today, Lord God, we want your will to be done in our life, Lord Jesus. We want your power, Lord God, to be manifested in our life, Lord. For truly, we want to please you in all of our ways. For truly, we want your will to be done, Lord God, in us and through us. Oh, great God, I pray today that the words that were spoken into our hearing, Lord, it will take root in our heart and begin to grow and produce good fruit. I pray today, Lord God, that the will of God may be done and that the power of the Lord will be revealed in this church, Lord God. Captivate our hearts like never before, Lord God, and help us to stay focused in walking the walk, in talking the talk, in doing your will, Almighty God. Oh, Lord, we thank you today. We bless your name. Name, Almighty God, for there is none like you. Jesus, come on, somebody, open up your mouth and thank the Lord before we go today. Let him know how much you adore him, how much you appreciate him, how you thank him today. God is great and greatly to be praised. Oh, Jesus, I want you to remember Sister Horton's family, the Armstrong family, this week when you pray, she have a, sister, a niece that is in the hospital they say she might not make it. She's going through some stuff. So keep the Armstrong family in your prayer that God will just do what only God does. Let God's will be done. But continue to keep each other in prayer. Let's give ourselves wholeheartedly this week to everything that God has in store for us. Somebody say praise God. Amen. Well, if you want to stay, you can stay. But if you got to go, you got to go. But boy, you're going to miss out in here from Brother Cannon. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day.